Hi, this is Jamie Tardy with the Social Strategy Podcast. And this is Vernon Ross. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey guys, this is Vernon Ross, and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast. This interview is with Jamie Tardy. It was an awesome time. Jamie and I met at uh, Financial Bloggers Conference, uh, or FinCon 2013. She was uh, really accommodating and just an awesome, sweet person to meet. We got a chance to hang out the night before and, you know, get drinks and grab drinks and party and all that fun stuff. And then, you know, wrapped everything up the next day. This interview is chock full of information. You guys have got to check it out. There's going to be stuff in here about um, how to get your first customers, um, productivity tools, all types of books that you need to get. Really, really awesome stuff. But more specifically, we're going to talk about why your blog is not a business, what collaborative intelligence is and why you should be using it. Four elements of pitching prospects for, you know, a guest show like mine or actually just for your business. And there's a couple of things that you probably overlooked about Facebook and ads, and we actually cover that stuff, too. So there is a lot of social strategy content in this episode and tons of other little nuggets and pearls that you're going to pick up along the way. So I encourage you to listen all the way through to the end. There's lots of good stuff all the way throughout this interview. This by far is one of my favorites, but every one I do is now one of my favorite interviews. So without further delay, here's Jamie Tardy, and I will catch you guys on the back end. All right, so hey, this is Vernon Ross with the Social Strategy Podcast, and I am sitting here with Jamie Tardy right at the end of the Financial Bloggers Conference, also known as FinCon. So Jamie, how are you doing? I am very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. So you run a website called The Eventual Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And how, how old is your website? Because I wasn't really sure how, when you actually started. Yeah, we don't have like little age. It's many years old. Right. Uh, it's about three and a half years old. Okay, okay. So for three and a half years, what you do, well, you know what, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? How did you get started? That's a long story, so I'll give you Cliff Notes first. All right. <laughs> so um, I had a six-figure job, 70 grand in debt. Paid off 70 grand in debt, hated my job. I ended up quitting that job when I was younger, uh, probably about 24. I was a project manager for a video-on-demand company. Mm-hmm. And then um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I ended up finding a mentor and becoming a business coach, um, and he taught me everything. Oh, wow. For about two or three years, I worked with him, and I realized that I live in the middle of nowhere in Maine, and it would take me forever to get to any clients, which I loved what I did, but I lived in Maine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the business landscape in Maine, it's actually the 49th worst state to do business in. Really? Just a little fact for you. Interesting. Fun so, fact. I know. And since I was a geek and had a degree in IT, I was like, I should go online. So I started up Eventual Millionaire just thinking I wanted to learn how to do blogging, and I wasn't actually... Um, really planning on making it that my thing. I was just trying to figure out the strategy so that way I could launch something else. Mm -hmm. So I had launched it, um, started trying to find my voice, thought it would be more of a personal kind of a thing. Um, And six months after I started it, uh, CNN contacted me. Wow. Yeah. I was like, hey, that's cool. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Who knew? Six months in. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they can't... So CNN contacted me and then um, 
I was on their website and mm-hmm. then they called me and they wanted me to be on their show. And then uh, two days after that, I was on Yahoo's homepage. So oh, wow. a week of craziness now, from a blog post. Now, what was the what was the blog post that got you on CNN? Uh, I did a guest post for Get Rich Slowly. Okay. And apparently, um, it, what, one actually tip that I give a lot of people is that journalists now read blogs often to mm-hmm. get their stories. And quite a few of them at the time read Get Rich Slowly. So I got two really great pieces of media. Actually, I think... Um, I was on Yahoo's homepage twice within three months, and I think it was from that same article that I wrote on Get Rich, Get Rich Slowly. Oh, wow. How did you um, – now, since you were a new blogger and about six months in – and I know part of this story, but I want to I wanna do this a little bit for the audience because I think a lot of bloggers run into this, and I've run into this. I haven't been on the uh, front page of Yahoo. <laughs> Not yet now. Yeah, no, <laughs> I have no, I haven't. So just so you know, <laughs> good to know. Note to self: <laughs> bribe Jamie. To get on the we'll cover of Yahoo. So, when you got on the on the front page of, of Yahoo, how did your website handle you being on the front page of Yahoo and all the traffic? Oh yeah, horribly bad. Uh, my site was up for a few minutes before the heavy traffic came the first time. Um, yeah, the website was down for pretty much the entire time that mm-hmm. the article was live because of the heavy traffic and I had shared hosting and I didn't ever expect that much traffic, unfortunately. And that one didn't even have a link to my site. So people were actually, um, Googling my name and finding it. Um, but my site was down. So when they tried to click on my site, it didn't work. So they actually, instead of go- went to my Facebook page and I had like a bazillion of weird emails and tons of ads on Facebook because... They found me that way, interesting. which was interesting. I got a marriage proposal out of it, which was kind of funny. Um, nice. But then three months after that, I was on Yahoo's homepage again, which I never in a million years would have thought would happen once, let alone twice. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to change my hosting. Bad idea number <laughs> two. And um, that time, the site was up for two hours. I had over 8,000 visitors in um, less than two hours. And then my site went down again. For a long time, my face was on the homepage of Yahoo for almost 48 hours, I think it was. My God. And imagine how much traffic I could have had if I was just smart enough to learn from my first mistake. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't. So good thing I am now. (laughs) Right. So that's that's for the audience that, you know, if you're writing for popular blogs and you get a guest post on a popular blog, make sure that your hosting will either keep your site up if you're on a shared host and just bill you for the traffic, which could be amazingly expensive, or just switch to a better hosting plan. Yes. And I've tried so many different... I'm a geek, right? I've tried so many different hosting companies. So just mm-hmm. one little quick tip is I just switched to WP Engine. Oh, okay. I interviewed the, co-f- the co-founder. I adore him. I've met him in person and stuff like that, too. And they guaranteed me my site wouldn't go down. And the funny thing is, a month after I um, ended up switching to them, which was just a couple months ago, um, one of the millionaires that I interviewed was on Secret Millionaire, and I got, you know, 10,000 visitors within, you know, a very short time frame, mm-hmm. and it did not go down, so I was so excited. Nice. <laughs> so far, so good. My homepage, my uh, website should be on the homepage of Yahoo again when my book comes out, hopefully. Right. Um, and so I'm really hoping <laughs> that this time, third time's a charm. Okay, cool. I'm going to ask you about your book a little bit later. So now tell us a little bit more about 
eventual millionaire and what it ended up becoming after this popular blog post? So after that, I ended up uh, shortly after starting a podcast where I interview millionaires, and that's been going on for probably about two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason behind that was um, just because I wasn't that great at writing. It took me forever to do it, and I was much better in person. Um, so my little USP, my unique selling proposition was like, hey, I'll just talk to millionaires, get access to them, and uh, deliver that to everybody else. And the podcast has been going really well since. I've interviewed over 120 millionaires, um, and they're all free up on the site. Very cool. So how did you decide to start podcasting? Um, actually two people in my mastermind group had already been podcasting, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Flynn and Marin Kate, who now has a company called Zirtual. And they both were podcasting pretty early on. And I remember the day that Marin goes, look at this. And she sent us a screenshot and it was a picture of her next to a picture of like the Apple podcast. It was like Steve Jobs and the picture of her. And she's like, look, we're like, look how amazing it was. And they got a lot of traction. And actually, it was her idea for me to interview millionaires. She was like, why don't you just interview millionaires? I'm like, well, I don't know any. So that might be one thing. But I, that's a great idea. And that's what started it. They said, you know, the amount of amazing traffic and audience they were getting after just a few months of podcasting was amazing way back then. And so I was right. like, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, it, you know, it's a great idea. And I wonder, and I'm sure everyone else is going to wonder, Okay, so, you know, you want to do a show interviewing millionaires, and sure, I'll just go to the millionaire yellow pages and look them up. Ding, ding, ding. That's how what do, I did. How do you find these people? <laughs> That's what I did. I asked my mentor at first. I'm like, because he sold a million-dollar business, um, the guy that taught me business coaching, and <laughs> he's like, I don't know any that are willing to say that they're a millionaire. And that was a problem I kind of mm-hmm. thought I would run into at first. People don't want to talk about money. Right. So the very first few things that I did was go on iTunes and just look up the keyword millionaire because I figured if someone was already saying that they were a millionaire, then they would come on my show hopefully too. So I sent three emails. Um, all three said yes. And I was like, oh crap, I have to get the podcast going because I asked them before. I didn't know how long it would take. So I just asked before I even knew what I was doing. I didn't have any podcasting equipment. So I'm like, we should schedule this in a month and a half. And they were fine with that. And the month and a half was plenty of time to figure out, well, mostly plenty of time to figure out how to actually do this thing. Um, but that was the first three. After that, I, I assumed I would only do like one a month because, you know, that uh, tactic is only going to work so long. Then I used Help a Reporter. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Help a Reporter out, but if it's helpareporter.com. And I acted as a journalist there and I ended up getting um, almost 30 millionaires emailing me back. Wow. Um, mostly from their PR departments, actually, and uh, scheduled a ton of interviews based on those and switched to a weekly podcast. Since then, though, um, just the networking has been amazing. I'm part of um, something called the Entrepreneurs Organization, so they actually end up sending me people that have million-dollar-plus businesses, and I chat with them and make sure they have a net worth of at least a million, and we schedule um, interviews that way. And now it's actually kind of a little insane. Um, even here at this conference, like they're like, oh, you should interview so-and-so, so-and-so. Like Everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. and that's another huge way. I can't even remember who has introduced me to who because I've just personal emails. I'm like looking at my inbox right now. Right. Like, oh, I know a millionaire you can interview. Let me introduce you. Oh, I know a millionaire. Oh, that's insane. I know. I'm really lucky. <laughs> that is insane. So tell me this. How, um, how do you use the the brand of the eventual millionaire and your access to 
basically hundreds of millions and probably billions of dollars by now. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you monetize that on your blog? Because there, we're at the Financial Bloggers Conference, and there are bloggers here from I mean every walk of life. There's mm. extremely successful bloggers, podcasters like yourself and Pat Flynn, two people that I met this weekend that they didn't even start their blog yet. Mm. So, how do you monetize the brand of eventual eventual millionaire? Well, what I did was just take the offline model that I was doing before as a business coach and just turn it right into an expert online model. Mm-hmm. So I do the same thing than all the other people that are doing this. I do, I do a lot of business coaching. So I have a lot of clients, like even I have a couple actually local clients still in Maine with like large operations and I help them with their employees. So consulting and coaching. Um, but I also do like, I have a book coming out, affiliate sales products and trainings and all that fun, mm-hmm. normal stuff. <laughs> now, when you do, when you do a product, mm-hmm. uh, have you developed? You've developed your own products and trainings. Yes, I have. Now, which which um, what are your trainings and what are your products? Uh, so I have one that might be interesting. It's called Millionaire Start, mm-hmm. and you can just go to millionairestart.com. And what it is is it's a four week class that teaches you if you have no idea a bit about business, but you just know you want to start one. And you're not really sure what to do. It goes through step by step on what millionaires do when they start their business. Very interesting, right? Nice. <laughs> so it's a lot more than just saying, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge process that people go through, but I walk them through step-by-step step of going um, one little piece at a time and validating the idea before they put too much money into it. We're really good at like throwing money at problems right. or assuming we need money mm-hmm. for half that stuff. And most of the millionaires that I've interviewed, which is really interesting, don't start with that much money. The ones that have had money and started, like they just throw money at it and it doesn't always work because it's as if they're like, oh, well, if I throw enough money at it, it'll work. Right. And then they learn, like Yannick Silver was like, yeah, I learned that one the hard way. That, that doesn't yeah, work I, so I heard that interview. That was, that was a good interview. Which, which interview? Do you, do you do yours by number? Because I don't think you do. I have them all bookmarked mm. and they're in iTunes. So I've never really looked at it outside of iTunes. Nope. So I should just go to eventual millionaire Yannick Silver. Yeah, eventually.com, usually, slash Yannick dash silver. Usually that's the hashtag, so. But you I, can link to it. I will link to it. In it. Yeah, I'll link to that and millionairestart.com in the show notes. Because I would not remember notes. all the right. numbers. I don't know who remembers all the numbers. Like, episode Pat. 122. Pat Flynn. He's crazy. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the funny thing is, uh, I was talking to Pat, and I actually know some of his show numbers and didn't realize that I knew some of his show numbers. I'm like, oh, this is a geek nerd moment because I remember your shows and the little songs that you sing at the beginning of the... Oh, I love his songs. I made him sing songs to me while we were here because I love that part. Uh, Awesome. That is funny. So you talked about you have a book coming out. What's the uh, title of your book? It's going to be called The Eventual Millionaire. What a surprise. What a surprise. (laughs) Branding at its best. Right. And what, what date does it come out? When is it going to come out? Uh, it looks like it's coming out February 17th. You can actually pre-order it on Amazon now, but um, when it actually is going to be live and people sending out copies should be t- uh, February 17th. Okay, cool. I'll link to it in the show notes for awesome. the uh, for the pre-order. Now, what do you do as far as, um, like when you do business consulting, mm-hmm. you have a um, just a, a current blogger. They want to start a business. They don't have a lot of money. They're like, well, I can't really necessarily purchase one of your courses just yet. Mm-hmm. You know, where can I, where can I start? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what resources do you point them to? Cause one of the things I noticed about your website, although I did just ask you a question and then just start 
continue to talk. So <laughs> no, go let's, ahead. Let's, now, let's, let's table the question for a second. I noticed something interesting about your interviews and, and what, what you do. You have a strategy guide. Mm-hmm. Do you call it a strategy guide? I don't, I don't, I'm just drawing a blank right this moment. But you have a strategy guide at the end of all of your um, interviews that tells people Some how to them. take – well, yes. most of them, yeah. <laughs> to tell people how to take action. Yeah. So because you did that for us here at FinCon. Yes, I did. How do you develop those strategy guides? Uh, well, it's funny because I find that is a really good tactic to get people to go to your site. So um, with podcasting, and I was actually just chatting about this with Derek Halpern, uh, with podcasting, the way people podcast or the way people listen to podcasts is they're usually in the car or they're working out or they're not anywhere near their computer. Right. And what's very difficult is to get them to actually go to your site. So a download number is awesome and they feel connected to you and all that fun stuff, but they're not on your site. They're not opting into your email list, none of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So being able to actually give them something. So here at FinCon, I did a speech. At the end of the speech, I'm like, go to this website. Right. I mean, and a lot of the people that did speeches here did the same thing. Go get this, pick up this free thing. So they're on the website. And I don't make them opt in for that free thing, mm-hmm. um, but I have the opt in right next to it. <laughs> Right. So they're there, they're right next to it, um, way greater of a chance, and I've already given them something for free. So um, it's definitely a strategy to get people to come back to your site because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's difficult in the podcasting realm. It's right. very different than just being a blogger um, where they're, of course, they're on your site. It's yeah. easier to get them to opt in that way. Now, what, what kind of stuff do you put in your strategy guide? How do you how do you build the strategy guide? Like go into detail what it's about, sure. the, the thinking process that goes into it. One of the biggest things that I say, we are so overwhelmed with content, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right? Anything you want to know is at your fingertips. Both a very good and a very horrible thing. Most of my clients, when they come to me, are so overwhelmed. They love listening to podcasts. They love information. They're like junkies. And I, the first thing I tell them to do is to stop listening to my podcast and any other podcast. Like just-in-time learning is hugely important. So with the action guides, what I'm really trying to do is separate what they can actually do right now. And I give them strategies, like super quick tips, like what's one thing that's going to change this right now. And I want them to walk away with one thing. So normally, uh, my speech was kind of short here, but normally at the end of each speech, I'll go through um, the actions, like sort of summarize all the actions. And then I ask them to go pick one, just one. Because if you try and do too many things at once, you will not do anything. That's just the way it goes. And so having that action guide, it just makes it um, like worksheet style, mm-hmm. um, little quick action steps. Because as soon as we start taking that action, maybe they'll do more. But if they're overwhelmed and go like, well, I have 17 things that I have to do, I get all these great notes. And then I never look at it again. Well, that's not helpful to anyone. Right. <laughs> that's just being an information addict, which doesn't actually get you any more money any more time at all or anything like that. So really trying to implement really quick bites is one thing that I am a huge proponent of. Good deal. Yeah. I, um, and just looking at some of your interviews and being, you know, having listened to them over the past few months, one of the things that I like is that you put that much information after, you know, in your show notes and for people to actually follow up and take action on. Uh, one of the things that you had talked about here and that you mentioned in this conversation was your mastermind. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there is a guide. Is there a guy on your site currently, or was that just for people at FinCon? There's a... Well, the people here can grab it, too. It's mm-hmm. If you go to eventualmillionaire.com slash FinCon, mm-hmm. um, it actually has the original mastermind setup worksheet that I gave everyone three and a right. half years ago when I set that up. So now, when you're trying to form a mastermind, a lot of people, they know what the word is, mm-hmm. 
but they don't they have no idea what a mastermind is mm -hmm. and you mentioned um, in the document about collaborative intelligence mm -hmm. explain collaborative intelligence for us so it's as soon as you get more than one mind on one problem it expands right it's no longer one person and a couple of thoughts. It gets exponential. And the collaboration that you can get in between people is utterly amazing. Things that you could never get on your own. The creativity between mm -hmm. um, everybody sharing this stuff is huge. I mean, that's what Napoleon uh, Hill from Thinking Grow Rich really talks about. Right. You know what I mean? Our minds, if we put two people together, we're exponentially better than one person. But if you put three, four, five, like in a mastermind, it's it's ridiculous the amount of value you can get. Mm -hmm. So having some sort of structure that's there for you that you can tap into at any time is hugely important for any business owner, I think. Right. Now, when you're contacting people and you're contacting millionaires, how do you uh, how do you craft your message? Is it a long email? Is it a short email? Give me a quick example of like what what do you say for uh, getting people on my show? Yeah. Okay, I have a template for this. Also, I'm trying to think of what the link is for it. Um, so I have a very specific email, mm -hmm. and it I'll go through it like hi, whatever the name of the PR person is, or whoever we can get a hold of um, someone's name if possible. Um, the very first sentence is usually a qualifying sentence so that you actually know who the heck they are. So let's just say you wanted um, a big name blogger, right? And you're like, well, they're a little out of my reach. I don't know them. I don't know if sending a cold email will really work. Um, and a couple tips that I gave in my speech is like if they're doing a book promotion, if they're doing some sort of um, launch, that's the best time to get them. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you can do cold emails other times too. So the first sentence is a qualifying sentence where you want to tell them, like, I totally understand your stuff. Like, I've been listening to you for this many years. I've read this article and it changed my life. You know what I mean? And, of course, it has to be true. So don't, like, just make up something. But try and figure out what would be the most potent thing that would really hook them in. Because if somebody sends you an email, I know we've got crazy things going yeah, on in exactly. the background. Um, if someone sends you an email and you start reading it, it's like, well, a pitch or something right at the beginning. You really have to establish that credibility, that um, qualifying sentence. So that way they'll read to the next one. So then you actually um, want to have the credibility piece. Mm -hmm. So normally I do something like I've interviewed Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss. Like I name drop. Name drop works very well. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have any names... And you have subscribers, say how many subscribers, only if it's a pretty good number. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have subscribers, if you have any press, um, you can get, that's how I got most of the people at the very beginning. I was on MSN and Yahoo and all that sort of thing. But a lot of it I got from Help a Reporter, super easy way to actually get press, surprisingly. Right. And so that would be the first step if you have no sort of credibility whatsoever. Or if you know someone um, that they know, that's mm -hmm. another piece of credibility. But some sort of credibility factor to make it worth their time. Right. right, because there's a lot of people that email them that are like, "Hey, I just started this thing. Will you come on my show?" Mm -hmm. And usually, it's not worth the time right. of the blog of whoever it is, whether it's a blogger or Seth Godin. Right. So there's that. Then you want to tell them what it is, right? Like what you were expecting of them. Mm -hmm. So I usually say something like, "I do a Skype video interview show. It usually lasts about 35 minutes or so." That's it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Um, and then at the end, you can definitely say like. Um, you know, either way, I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. Thanks. Keep it a couple sentences. That's it. Um, and I always like to leave with it either way. You know what I mean? So right. there's no pressure, um, but I'd really look forward to do that. The other quick tip that I can give if you're if it's someone you really, really want is let them know you'll follow up in a week. 
mm-hmm. because then they won't want more email in their inbox later. So they're more likely to re- reply to you now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a good tip. <laughs> yes, definitely. So that's sort of the template email type. Nice. Very nice. So kind of bouncing back and forth between that and masterminds, how do you get people in your mastermind that are better than you? Because I don't think, I don't think that it would make a lot of sense. And I've, pretty much heard this advice from different people to get people that are necessarily directly your peers. Shouldn't you get people in a mastermind or should you get people in a mastermind that have already achieved some of the things that you want And assuming you do, what value can you offer them for joining your mastermind? Yeah. So I get this question all the time and yes, you're right. You're supposed to get people that are better than you. Um, because we want to get better and the only way right. we get better is by hanging out with, well, not the only way, but hanging out with people that are better than you will tell you from their experience and mm-hmm. they can give you better feedback. And that was something that I learned. I didn't even know when I very first started, I met, um, a guy in a forum that wrote a book about mastermind groups and he was actually my first member of my mastermind group, which was really fun. Nice. I know he didn't know really who I was or anything like that. And we ended up chatting and it was really cool. And he'd been in business for a super long time. And so I had a great business model. Amazon publishing way back when, like three and a half years ago, and it wasn't cool. Oh, wow. I know. He did a great job. And so the funny um, thing is, is I was like, okay, great. I know I need to email people that are better than me. We'll see how this works mm-hmm. because I don't, I, I didn't have a lot of online strategy at the time. And so the way I did it was um, a very similar template to the one that we had. Um, from before, but I had to figure out what my credibility factor was. Right. So either one, you know someone personally that is bigger than you and you can use them as the credibility factor or try and figure out a way that you can lend help to that. So what I ended up doing is I had worked with um, a video. Or, so I worked with um, people that had a viral video. Mm-hmm. So this viral video online is called Diet Coke and Mentos. Crazy. Oh, I remember seeing those. Yes. So that is my very good friend, Fritz, and uh, his partner, Steven. And so it just became this huge viral video thing. And I, when I quit my job, I worked with them sort of doing it in the project management role a little bit for some things. And I could name drop, like, I went to Letterman with them, and I did a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Oh, wow. That. Yep. And I had a lot of research on video um, just from working with them for a short period of time. So I dropped that because that was the credibility factor that I had. Right. And they were like, oh, that's interesting. Like she's got viral video background, even exactly. though it was sort of like, yeah, yeah I knew what I knew. Um, or like I said, you can just um, do what you can do. And if you can convince one person mm-hmm. and then name drop them and use them as that credibility factor. So as soon as I had David, um, who is the guy that wrote that mastermind book, it was called The Rich Switch. It was really good. And I could say, oh, and I also have David Hooper, who wrote a book called The Rich Switch. And um, it's all about mastermind groups. And he had a whole, like, he had a radio show in Nashville and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff that I could drop really easy for him to know. So, yeah. So being able to do that was huge in trying to get bigger name people. Very nice. So now when you, um, as far as your business planning, your offline strategy, you were talking about, the fact that you you still have coaching clients and you still have clients that you deal with. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that bloggers not only stick to their online thing, but they also try to build an offline business as another stream of income to complement their blog? I, so a blog I do not see as a business at all. Mm-hmm. A blog is a marketing tactic, not a business. Thank you <laughs> Just for that. Just so everybody knows. Yeah. 
So I have my business mm -hmm. and their online and offline marketing tactics, um, but it's the same thing. So I think, I think what I, how a long time ago, how I got that local client, I mean, and I had local clients from before anyway, most of mine are all online now, all over the country. But that one was a friend of my mom's wanted me to do a speech at her networking group. And because it was a friend of my mom's, I was like, okay, sure. And there was a really cool company there that ended up hiring me. And it's been, you know, a couple years now that we've been working together. They've been growing like insane. Um, and so that's just how that worked out. That's how I used to do it a long time ago. And now I get, I don't need any more clients. And so, um, that's not really a big piece of it anymore, mm -hmm. but um, one-offs, so I get clients that way too. All right, so uh, going off a, a blog is not a business. Mm -hmm. uh, explain that to people a little bit, just just a little bit more. I, I want to dig into that a sure. little bit. So in order to have a business, you need revenue. Right. Right? Most of the time when you're a blog, which is putting out content, content marketing, that's not actually selling anything. You need a business model behind your business in order for it to be a business, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, you could probably do advertisements, maybe. That's something, right? Right. But that's – I personally don't like that business model very much. Supplementally, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But um, even as my friend David Simon Garland talks about it, he's like, those sponsorships, those advertisements can drop out in a second. You know this very well. I do. I do. <laughs> so I think those are some huge pieces to be paying attention to. I've – I have a lot of people that come to my site and they're like, oh, my God, I love your website. I want to start a blog, too. It's like, no, no, no. I had a business before I started this. You know, this was a marketing tactic to – I mean, this was nothing at first and then became a marketing tactic to get a hold of people um, that might want to be a part of my business. Right. But that's what I see it as. So it's it's a strategy, just like going and doing speeches so that way you get clients. Yeah. And so is blogs, writing content so that way you can get clients, you know? Yeah, I've talked to um, new bloggers, new podcasters that feel, oh, well, my podcast is my new business. And, well, it's like, well, no, maybe it's not really your new business. It's just a um, – it's marketing. Mm -hmm. It's a way to get your name out there, but it's not necessarily going to directly make you any money. Well, the interesting thing – so uh, one of my clients was John Lee Dumas, who has a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. Right. And I remember when he came to me, he was like, I want a podcast. And I was like, ha, you need a business. And he was, he knew business before he had a business before that. So he got that it was a marketing tactic. And so, but he knew what his backend was going to be way before he started podcasting. Mm -hmm. Like, and he had that a solid vision ready to go. Right. So like, it's not as though you have to start making money like right that second, mm -hmm. but you have to have the business model behind it right. and not just hope because the, the problem is, I mean, what we did with John was really go through, like, who his target market is and, and figure all this stuff out. Because a lot of the times what bloggers will do is they'll start this blog that seems kind of cool and then have an audience that isn't going to pay for your stuff. Or, you know what I mean? There's so many mm -hmm. different things. Because we're told, hey, start a blog about macrame and everybody's going to think it's the coolest thing ever. Right. Well, as a business, if you don't want to bang your head against the wall... <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what we do, and I think that's yeah. one thing that's not talked about a lot is like, yeah, there's so many niches, it's insane, um, but some of them are harder than others. Yeah. Right. And we don't like to admit that. Some people in the uh, business to business, if they have money to spend and are really, really good at investing in that, 
perfect. And they're going to, you know, pony up a thousand, two grand, something like that way faster mm -hmm. than someone in the macrame niche or whatever the heck it is. Right. And so some people are like, well, why don't, why won't they buy from me and all that other stuff? Some it's just harder than others. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's interesting because, um, if say you're going to monetize a podcast, mm -hmm. how would you, you don't, that I recall, mm -hmm. and last time I listened to your podcast, uh, honestly, after this weekend, my mind is all a blur. Mm -hmm. It was a couple weeks ago. I don't think you have any sponsor advertisements during your entire podcast, do you? I have a sponsor that I don't have to talk about. Well, that's awesome. On the podcast, yes. That's awesome. I have to ask you how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are podcasts out there that you will hear. Hey, you know, make sure to check this out. Yes, I, di I directly chose not to. Why? Um, I Number one, I said I don't really like that model <laughs> very much. I don't want to have to go chasing mm -hmm. sponsors. Right. Um, I also want to set myself apart because mm -hmm. a lot of people were doing that model, especially at the beginning. Yeah. And so I was one of the only ones that didn't really have the sponsorship model. And so I probably could. And John's like, I'll introduce you to whoever you want to know if you want some right. sponsors. Um, but I just haven't chose that route. That's just sort of the route that I don't necessarily want to take. Now, if I'd you, rather pitch my own stuff than right. <laughs> pitch someone else's. Right, exactly. Now, if you were to choose that route, how would, how would a, a podcaster, a new podcaster, or, well, specifically a podcaster, because bloggers, it's a, it's a different paradigm. They're... There's space, there's real estate on the website, I'm going to put your banner here, your box here, and I'll drive people to it through my email newsletter, if they're building an email list, or whatever. But on a podcast, it's, it's audio. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how, do you talk, how do you talk to a sponsor about the value that your podcast offers? Well, I know I only know this from like John's stuff because I haven't right. really done too, too much, but they usually go by um, CPM and... Um, how many downloads you have? Mm, CPM is cost per million. Uh, well, you know, cost per thousand. Mm -hmm. So, like, somebody gave me a stat here this weekend. I can't remember who it was, and I didn't know that this was the stat. I thought it was a little different. So maybe I should be thinking about sponsorship. But they said it was like a hundred bucks per thousand downloads, and I'm like, not that I know of. I had heard at the very beginning it was ten bucks per thousand, mm -hmm. which is why I was like, yeah, that's not really worth it. Yeah, that's no. Um. So I don't know where it's at right now, mm -hmm. um, so I can't sort of say one way or the other because, like I said, I don't really do that model too, too much. Right. I may do some research and put it in the show notes. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's hard because I know numbers for people, but I can't talk about them. So, mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, yeah, we'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. You asked me at the beginning what I can't say. Well, apparently that was one of my that was, that, was one, that was one of the things that you couldn't say. That's funny. So, all right, in, in wrapping it up, I, I'm trying different stuff. This is a new podcast, <laughs> and we're, we'll be about six episodes in when this goes live. <laughs> Going to ask you some questions, this versus that. Okay. Facebook or Twitter? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a... so Twitter's super good for really quick first connections. Mm -hmm. Facebook is really good to me for um, deeper engagement. Which one do you use more? Do you use Facebook more or Twitter more? Because I see you're active on both. Yeah, I think it'd be probably about even. Mm -hmm. I do both. From an advertising perspective, mm -hmm. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. Facebook. Yep. Sponsored, sponsored stories. Newsfeed stories or the little sidebar ads? Uh, sponsored stories, if I have to pick one. 
why I sponsor stories. It's just to know better for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and for my friends so uh, and for my clients and stuff like that. So that's usually what I go with first. Okay. Test Bus- it. See what right, works right, for you. Right. <laughs> Business page, a personal profile, or a combination of both on Facebook? Both. I started out uh, a lot of people add me personally, which is a little weird sometimes. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not like too crazy personally. Um, but they have a lot more engagement than mm. the business page. Now my business page is awesome and I have some really great engaged people on that too, but it's amazing the more engagement when they feel like they actually know you personally. Right. How do you, um, get more users or more people on your business page follower wise? I don't do much actually. Every day I have new people. It's just organic. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I, a long time ago, I was paying uh, for likes, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, that is not a very good RI with that, and if, if Facebook ever goes away, I'm not really looking for that, so I um, definitely work on getting people on my email list first, I don't really care that much about likes. Um, right. Sometimes they're a side effect of doing you know, sponsored stories and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, in general. Now, I don't have a, a versus for this one. Google Plus, yay or nay? Everybody keeps telling me about Google Plus. So I have, I use it, and my marketing guy will update Google Plus to the whole authorship thing. Like, so I'm set up, and everybody keeps telling me that I have to do more with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was chatting with Chris Brogan the other day, and ah, like, ah, he keeps telling me, uh, yes. So, yes, apparently. So, even right. though I don't say it. <laughs> so, now, have you used a Google Plus Hangout? I have. So, Google Plus Hangouts or Go to Webinar? So I have both. I've done, I personally like GoToWebinar for the webinars, but I might be switching over, but I have a sweetheart deal with GoToWebinar, so I, it's easy for me to do to keep it. But the Google Hangout I've been doing, um, when I was figuring out the book stuff, I had a bunch of really cool people like Natalie Sisson and Chris Ducker and a couple other people, Jeff Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, we all hopped on a couple Google Hangouts and, to chat about the books. Oh, nice. And what our launch strategies were. Right. To try and figure out, like, who's doing what and what's going to work and, you know what I mean? Exactly. And that was super cool. And we have that all recorded and fun stuff from Google Hangouts, so that was fun. Okay, cool. So, um, Instagram or Vine? I don't use either. (laughs) (laughs) I was told the other day that I need to start using Instagram. Pat was like, you need to use Instagram. Just I'm like, yeah, I don't need more things right now. <laughs> I, I totally understand. I mess Be around with Instagram a little bit. But yeah. not on Instagram or Vine. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, I, just my choice so far. Maybe I'll add it into the strategy later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some so karate photos and all that other stuff. But I don't take that many photos. When I, Natalie Sisson does this so well. Well, I was hanging out with her in New York City for a week, and I think I had my picture taken seriously like 20 times, and she was all, I was always on her Instagram for like that entire week. Here we are at breakfast. Here we are here. <laughs> so she's doing it very well. Well, you already got stuff now to add to your Instagram. Just yeah, no get, kidding. Hey, Maybe text me out those pics. update it for Exactly, me. <laughs> exactly. All right, I don't have a versus for this one. Pinterest, yes, no, maybe. Here at this conference... People have been going crazy over Pinterest. And this is what I've heard a lot. There's a lot of stories in the specific niches. Anything having to do with mommy bloggers right. <laughs> has been insane. Um, and so that's been something super interesting that I'm just researching right now. So I haven't jumped into it too much. Right. Now, uh, at the conference, Cynthia San- Sanchez was mm-hmm. the person talking about Pinterest, the yep. Oh Pinteresting podcast. Mm-hmm. And... There's some strategies that she talked about for local businesses and nice. stuff like that that I never even considered 
Pinterest for. Nice. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I will actually focus on Pinterest. I have a Pinterest page now. Me too. Uh, you know. My marketing guy takes all my images that I put up on the site and puts them on there, and I'm, mm-hmm. I haven't checked it in forever, so I'm not sure. Right, right. <laughs> now, um, for this next one, do you do any of your own like image editing, simple image editing, or do you have just somebody else do it because you don't have the time because you focus on other stuff? Uh, it depends. I can definitely do it. I'm a geek mm-hmm. and I know how to do all that stuff. So when there's time crunches, I will do it, but I have somebody that does that usually. Okay. So I'll mention two sites and ask you what you think, if you know about those sites, okay. PicMonkey or Pixlr. I've been using PicMonkey. I recommend PicMonkey to my clients. Mm-hmm. Really? Why? Uh, I just liked it a little bit better. One of my clients was like, I love this site. And I just started using that one. And I really liked it. So I quick, simple, easy to use. Yeah. Plus, they had like a zombie page the other day. I thought it was. I saw. I saw that. I'm like, (laughs) man. I've been trying to use Pixlr and be loyal to Pixlr, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, that sold me. Right, right. So YouTube. Oh yeah, totally. Love YouTube. How do you use YouTube? I put all of my video interviews on YouTube and annotations, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask people to subscribe right in the video. You ask them to go check out your ebook, all that fun stuff. And I've also started doing quick, like two minute videos. Those right. have been getting actually quite a bit of traction. People are like, please do more of these. Oh, I haven't really seen cool. your, I haven't seen your two minute yeah. videos. Just a couple. Um, one like really simple one while my kids were in karate and I was at the dojo and someone did one of my challenges and was asking questions and I just answered some of the questions and very interesting. Yeah. Little quick tips kind of a thing. Um, and so that's been going really, really well too. I was, um, with James Wedmore, and he was, like, giving me all these other things that I have to do. So, it's you know, I'm definitely not at the 100% YouTube person. Right. James um, Wedmore is, like, the most awesome YouTube guy. <laughs> He's the YouTube man. Right. And he gave me some cool strategies that I've been implementing now, too. So Okay, definitely. cool. Now, you you guys did a, a hangout, you and uh, Jeff Rose, and who was the other person you mentioned? Uh, Chris Ducker, Natalie Chris Ducker. Sisson, and Kate Northrup, who has a book out through Hay House. Now, and this was a public... No. Hangout? Nope. Just uh, okay. I was going to say, it feels a public hangout. Did you guys use the little graphics in the lower third? No. We just we did it just for us, mm-hmm. and nobody knew about it until right this second. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. That is, that is awesome. So I was going to say, well, one of my questions, I'm going to save that one for last. Um, it's an interesting one. I try to ask a question that most people just don't expect Okay. to try to get Ooh, you to think. great. Now I'm expecting something really bad. It, no, nah, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> What's um What's a tool that you use that you're just in love with, like right now? Something that you use either on your phone, on your iPad, computer. Um, I've been going a little crazy with rescue time lately. I only work about thirty hours a week, mm-hmm. and so productivity is a big, huge piece. And I interviewed. Um, I'm coming out with a membership site, and I've interviewed a bunch of millionaires. And they, I've, lately, they've been giving a lot of productivity techniques. Right. And it's really interesting to go back through your rescue time and find out like how much time you're spending on specific things. Um, very eye-opening. <laughs> rescue time. I'm not familiar. How does that one work? Um, it's just something that you uh, put on your computer, and it constantly monitors what you're doing. So, and it'll send you a weekly report. So, like, last week, I think I was on my laptop for, like, 31 hours for the whole week. It tells me, like, I did, like, six and a half hours of email, which is insane considering I have somebody that does my email for me. That is not me. And I still spend six and a half hours. So that's one little 31 hours for the whole week? Yes. I think I did 31 hours yesterday. <laughs> 
references don't count. <laughs> um, but actually, I wasn't on my laptop, so yeah. All so right. 31 hours on the computer. But uh-huh. yeah, I usually work about 30 um, hours a week. I have two small children, so... <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. At the very beginning, I was doing less than 20, like 17 or 18 hours a week. Wow, so, so rescue time. Yeah, and I, I have not heard of that one. I will put that one in the show notes. Very cool. Interesting. Now, with um, as we're, we're bringing it to a close... Can you tell me something that you don't normally, a tip that you don't normally give people? Ooh, it's hard as a coaching consultant. I give way too many freaking tips. So right. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any, um, I don't, I don't have any direction. Like a list, a list building tip or a traffic tip that you just haven't shared. Hmm. And if you, if you don't have so one. So one tip for interviewing, prep someone on this beforehand. Because I didn't used to prep my audi- my guys. Because I did right. the same thing, right? I asked the same last question um, every time. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I, sometimes I forget to tell them at the beginning. Right. And I catch them completely off guard. And I'm like, oh. And then they have to make something up on the spot. And they look really uncomfortable. So <laughs> I usually try and give them a bit of a heads up uh, ahead of time. But yeah, I mean, I think um, one thing that I've been doing a lot um, <laughs> is just being really helpful. And like my networking skills have done um, a lot. So like at this conference, which mm-hmm. is something that you don't usually go after. But at this conference, Pat Flynn talked about me in his speech. Todd talked about me in his speech. Jeff talked about me in his speech. Like as you go, people kept coming up to me and going like, oh, my gosh, I hear your name all the time. I have to see your stuff. And so that's huge social proof mm-hmm. of even though they don't know who I am, besides the girl on crutches, which is what right. most people have been calling me all week. Um, that's something that um, is sort of overlooked, I think, mm-hmm. as like list building because it doesn't seem like a cool tip or tactic like, oh, put the squeeds page right. here. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that's kind of interesting. Okay, well, cool. Well, Jamie, thanks a lot. I really do appreciate you coming on the Social Strategy Podcast and giving me an interview at FinCon 13. And I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Awesome as promised. What did I tell you guys? This was a this was a great interview. I mean, it was I did not want it to end. We I had to let her go. She needed to get out of here and catch a plane. So um that was a that was a ton of good stuff. I learned a lot of things that I did not know. I got a, a great interview tip about preparing my guests. So duly noted, Jamie, and I will and have been doing it ever since. Um, there's a really some, you know, just really great tools. Make sure you check out the, the show notes. I have a ton of stuff in the show notes, all kinds of links. Um, there's a link to the mastermind tutorial or guide that Jamie put together for the mastermind group that she actually still participates in. Of course, you can find Jamie out on eventualmillionaire.com. Also connect to her on Twitter and on Facebook. All of those are eventual millionaire. So facebook.com eventual millionaire, twitter.com eventual millionaire. Uh, Make sure you go out to the show notes. You can just click right there to thank Jamie for this interview. And it says, click here to tweet Jamie. Just click there and tweet Jamie to thank her for the interview because, I mean, it was a really awesome interview. And, you know, I love to thank the guests that come on because they, they don't have to, you know, come and give all this information for free. This is stuff that they charge their clients for. So show her some appreciation and go out and thank Jamie on the site. Also, show a little love to the podcast and rate and review us on iTunes. There is a link there for you to review us on iTunes. We're moving up. And new and noteworthy, so I'm really, really happy about that. 
it's an up and down thing, so it changes from day to day. It's just nice sometimes to see that you're in the you know top twenty of iTunes, which has happened a couple times. So also um, check us out on Stitcher Radio. We're on Stitcher. You can also find us on um, Player.fm, which was just brought to my attention. Someone sent me an email it was like, "Hey, did you know you're out on Player.fm?" And I didn't even know what Player.fm was, but apparently our show is out on Player.fm. So if you go out to Player.fm and you search for the Social Strategy Podcast, you will find us right there. We're also um, going to be on TuneIn Radio soon. So Team Android, you can pick us up on either Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or Player.fm. iTunes folks, you just subscribe on iTunes. Download the podcasting app. That is the only way now, currently, since Apple changed it, that you can get podcasts on your device, whether that be iPad, Mac, or well. With the Mac, you can listen on the web, but iPad or iPhone, you need to download the iTunes um, podcasting app, and then you can download all your your podcasts right there and get all the shows right when they come out, and they'll automatically download to your device and automatically drop off as new shows come off. So I definitely recommend that you go out and you download that podcasting app. I did want to mention uh, I'm doing something a little new with the music that we that we exit to one of the um i listen to music from all over the place all over the globe and if something catches my ear i generally try to feature it in something that i'm doing podcast or whatever so on on this one i ran into this group called singleton and you can find them out on facebook.com slash singleton s-i-n-g-l-e-t-o-n they're out on Facebook. The song that you're going to hear in this podcast at the end, which is going to be coming on right now, is their song, Breathe In, Breathe Out. Uh, you can find them out on a couple of the indie sites. There's links right in the show notes, right at the very bottom. You'll see them. Definitely check them out and show them some love online as well. Until the next interview episode, make sure you um, just keep visiting the site. Keep sending me emails. I'm loving the fact that I'm starting to get emails about the podcast. This is great. Let me know what you think about this. I really want to get some conversation going about this. So leave some comments in the comment section. Let me know what you think. Agree, disagree, what your preferences are in my verses section of the podcast. You have to listen to find out what that is. So definitely let me know. And thanks again to Singleton for providing us with the outro music. And until the next time, I will see you later. Look forward to the next interview. It is with someone pretty notable that a lot of you guys in this space are going to recognize. So really excited about that. And that will be coming to you next Wednesday. All right. Thanks again, guys. Vernon Ross, Social Strategy Podcast. Take it easy.